What's up, everyone? This is your host, Daniel. And Javi, and you're listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We're just two brown best amigos talking about everything and anything through a Latino and indigenous perspective. In this podcast, we uplift indigenous and Latino insights on a variety of topics that highlight the intersectionality of both cultures. Expect some tears, joy, and definitely laughter. Imagine chilling with your two best friends, talking smack, and throwing a little shade. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm a little rusty too. What is up, everybody? That's how we start the episode. What is up, everybody? This is Javi and Daniel with the Brown Sound Podcast, season We're five, back. episode fourteen. What is up, Chicax? We're back. We've, uh, you know, we had to take a little break. Just life happens, and yeah, you know, like we said, we don't get paid to do this. So, <laughs> yeah. so, just keep, so someone yeah. pay us, and then we'll yeah. do it on time. No, no, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> it's always so funny when we don't post like on our regular schedule. Because then, like, I get like probably five or six messages, like, "Hey, oh, yeah. this new episode, new episode." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, like Javi's um, dog just had babies. <laughs> That's we're, <laughs> we're, we're taking a minute for for Grandpa Javi to have that bonding with his puppies." <laughs> you know what's so funny about that is, um, I also get messages. Like, we have, I think it's people part of people's routine now. Like, they know we mm-hmm. drop our episodes and they can listen like Friday morning or whatever as they're commuting yeah. to work. And so I, and it's funny that you said Javi had puppies or her hobby <laughs> i was like oh daniel's i was like daniel's dolphin ran away so he's looking yeah. for it uh but he'll be back and we'll, yeah. <laughs> i'm always big about that but actually it's funny that you also mentioned grandpa javi because you, you everybody i am a year older now like i'm, oh, I'm older yeah. than last episode the last since the last episode yeah. we definitely have celebrated your birthday yeah and we have a lot to catch up with our bsers yeah <laughs> yeah our brown our sounders <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we need to trademark that before somebody you know takes yeah. it such a good name we need to get merch out uh no chicks i had the most memorable memorable birthday to say the least <laughs> yeah definitely. You, i mean the you were there you were there that night um and that's funny too because you almost didn't make it down because you know we had that like yeah. scheduling stuff happen and i was like dang daniel's not gonna make it it's not even gonna be a real birthday anymore <laughs> because you've just been at all my birthdays all this yeah. year all these years yeah i'm like and the I, last I, time I, a friend missed the birthday i was like i was gonna say it was like a mission i was like i cannot miss this birthday because <laughs> i don't know how he's gonna cut me off when we have the podcast i'm like i don't know how I'm like, how's this gonna work we're no longer uh, friends now we're just yeah. we're just podcast partners <laughs> <laughs> we would just have to split the podcast i'd be brown yeah. and you'd be sound just yeah. brown podcast and sound podcast <laughs> oh funny oh, that's funny but yeah no. your birthday definitely was uh was it was an experience know, right it was like you know it was good i like, <laughs> i will say this without entertaining, going into details, I was entertained yeah i without going into details i did get to spend time with a lot of my cousins and i had not done that in a long time and and as you all know i shared this on the podcast family is big for me so it was just very therapeutic to be around my cousins that i had not seen in a long time um and then we all aged uh our age range was from like i think one of my cousins had just turned 21 and then uh, the oh. oldest was like 37 
38 maybe mm. so like it was a big age uh range there uh <laughs> but and you know the thing too about just going out with cousins or anyone in general is um since i hadn't drank with them in a while because we had drinks it was a birthday outing we did the bike bar um i was just really concerned about like okay hey, javi you can't go too crazy not that i ever <laughs> do uh but i was just glad that i was not that cousin on that trip <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i will say that um but anyways chickx there's a lot to cover and i know today we have uh you know we have a special guest so i'm excited yes, to introduce that guest in a second um chickx it is now native american heritage month yes it is it is uh you know every like i like we said before like every month is native american heritage month every month is you know <laughs> yeah. latino heritage month it's yep. just our lives you know we don't just turn on for the month but yep. uh it is cool that i guess that you know people recognize that i don't know how long it's ever really i don't i feel like i don't remember like native american heritage month when i was a kid yeah but um but yeah no it definitely is you know interesting it's, i'm like why do they put our month during november like during like thanksgiving <laughs> like the holiday that yeah i think that's <laughs> that the logic no they're like yeah. i'm like oh okay well it's all I'm right like, you know close to christmas like, i guess you're like thanks for reminding us of genocide during yeah. this month of ours you could have picked yeah. a better month <laughs> yeah. yeah let's let's have some turkey you know <laughs> yeah that you wanted to share with the pilgrims chicks yeah. you know that's yeah i'm you not bitter was, about this at all either <laughs> you know what i was thinking about though i was cracking up because i remember when i was young we had to sing that little song that this land is our land oh this yeah land is your land or whatever yep. i remember singing that as a kid and i guess not really realizing like what oh, it means yeah and then now as yeah. an adult i'm like well i can't believe our teachers made us sing that especially on the res you know like <laughs> yeah. it's kind of uh, very very weird but, but yeah it's um well chickx i had to sing that song too here in the area because <laughs> oh, you ended it with like this land was made for you and me yeah. and we're like uh sure it is <laughs> not just kidding was it <laughs> <laughs> we're just um something else i want to touch a base on before we introduce our guest is that it's also the other los muertos mm -hmm. and you know what chickx i i didn't grow up uh making altars or really like like acknowledging Dia de los Muertos at all. But as I got older and the more I've leaned into my culture and my identity, and especially now that I have people that I love that have passed, it was mm -hmm. just, it's been so, um, empowering kind of to like lean into that that day because mm -hmm. it's november 1st and 2nd some areas celebrate even before that but um just acknowledging like my grandpa participating in some of the other los muertos uh events and activities uh just i don't know like the i so i i'm gonna be, get a little vulnerable for a second but i as i was doing some of those the other los muertos activities i went to a celebration i helped decorate like some sugar skull stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and I asked my cousin to send me some pictures of the altars that my grand my grandma made for my grandpa. Um, it just made me think of all the good memories of my grandpa mm -hmm. that I had with him. Yeah. And it definitely reinforced that I miss him because he's not here. But I was also really focusing on, I just want to honor his memory. I just want to celebrate like his life. Mm -hmm. And that was my focus. And I did get a little teary eyed yesterday as I was thinking about it, like yeah. driving home. But um, I'm just so thankful that we have these days, right? And they do, historically, they have um, indigenous and Catholic kind of mixture. Um, and, you know, that's just the blending of, of the cultures um, and traditions. Mm -hmm 
conditions, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's, it's something that I definitely want to participate in more as I grow up. And as I have kids, I definitely want to do yeah. all this. I def- definitely want to teach my kids. And even now my nieces and nephews, I would love to take them to events. So I think next year I'm definitely going to, going to do that. Um, but it's, it's just, you know, that's life. Life is, yeah. it's part of the life cycle. People pass mm-hmm. away, they, they move on, but it's important to never forget them and just really honor their memory. It's, it doesn't do yeah. us good to be sad and it's, it's a part of life, but I definitely, yeah, anyone who hasn't experienced Dia de los Muertos, I would encourage you to do research, um, participate in any like event, uh, community events. And um, just, you know, there's good movies out there. I People always say Coco is the go-to uh, to get like more more reference into Dia de los Muertos. And it is a good movie, but, you know, there's more resources out there than just Disney's mm-hmm. take on it. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, because the way my people, we, we obviously honor our loved ones who have passed to in, in a different way but i always thought it was a really beautiful thing to see like all the ofrendas and all the different like their favorite yeah. things on them and uh, i just think it's i think it's one of those things where it's like we really come from like really beautiful and rich cultures where it's like really yeah. cool that we can you know lean on our cultures to heal you know help yeah. us heal with you know the losses and all this stuff so i think it's really cool i definitely on my bucket list to go visit like i, I see all these different like videos and things like on tiktok or instagram yeah. about like you know this time in, in mexico and it looks really cool and nice and like just looks all the colors so, and everything looks really nice and i'm like you gotta go there one of these years chick x i want to take you to michoacan pat Squaro, um does a really good day of the dead celebration like it's it's world renowned people will come mm-hmm. to that town um and and then just to like experience day of the dead there um and then my hometown my grand my grandparents hometown is about i think 45 minutes away from there so that's oh, wow. always something that we can definitely do um and i love going to Hanitio, which is a little island on the river there it's it's beautiful anyways chikex i think <laughs> now is the time to introduce our special guest today and um so it's really funny because i learned from the bio that our guest is also uh has a uh, background in michoacan which is where my family's from so we're gonna you know michoacan is the best i'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> sorry if you disagree sorry you're from somewhere else <laughs> just kidding but um <laughs> but anyways without further ado can we get a brown sound welcome for Doctor, oh, she's not gonna like this. Doctor Olalia Gallegos Puitron. What is up, uh, Olalia? Are you there? Yes. Um. Thank you, Javi and, and Daniel, for having me on this podcast. Yes, I am. Um. I'm gonna say this once. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just because I'm getting used to it, and also um, just acknowledging it, and then getting it over with, and we don't have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit on um Olalia, who is asking us not to call her doctor, and we're gonna respect that. Um. Even though she is. <clears throat> I got to flex on my Latinos that have these doctor titles. It's just so awesome. But uh, she's a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Idaho that's focusing on uh, Chicanx history. Um, And she will actually be teaching at U of I uh, on Idaho history and the Pacific Northwest and Chicanx history. And so her dissertation was on Latinx migrant studies in rural Idaho with strong ties Mm. to Michoacan, Mexico, which we just highlighted. Um, And it's so amazing to have her because this is a topic that really isn't highlighted a lot mm-hmm. and I'm just so excited to have a discussion on it. Uh, but before we jump into that, Ulalia, would you mind sharing a little bit on your background with our listeners? 
Um, so I am from rural Idaho. I grew up between rural Idaho and uh, Michoacan, Mexico, but it was um, rural Michoacan, Mexico. So my lived experience uh-huh. has really been um, across the border in the uh, Chicanx identity, but also the like Mexican identity, the Idahoan identity, yeah. um, really in between those, um, not necessarily like in between, but living both worlds um, yeah. <laughs> between Michoacan yeah. and Idaho. So it's really, um, it's an identity that I've lived, um, research that is, I'm passionate about that I um, really want to continue studying. And then the topic that I will be teaching in the spring, Chicanx history is also very relevant to the area and to um, my lived experience. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, learning from my students because that is the gem in academia. Yeah. And let me ask you, where in Michoacán is your family from? Or you from? Yes. So I'm sure you'll relate to this. Um, it's a pueblito by otro <laughs> pueblito that is like, and then when you say where you're from, you're like, okay, so my family's from Nocopetaro, but they're from the outskirts of Nocopetaro. It's in the municipio okay. de Nocopetaro. Um, but it's really like, when I say rural, it's like as rural as it gets. Like, um, Are we cab- talking like, rancho? We're talking rancho, but like more rancho. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so funny my sister-in-law went to this part of me to our home in Michoacan um and she's like this isn't a rancho this is a selva (laughs) (laughs) um so it's like but it's also um the bigger area is um Tacambaro which is about um two hours from Morelia and like 45 minutes but to the southwest okay yeah anytime i ask anyone like where are you from in michoacan everybody will always say well it's a little town because that's all of michoacan it's just a bunch of little towns and then they will always say it's about x amount of hours from morelia which is the capital but i get that all the time and that's how i say it too my family's from nova italia but it's like about two hours from <laughs> morelia um and i know morelia well too because i had a i had a net who was a teacher there for many years and she just retired this year 32 years in the no 35 years in the service it's oh, like, wow. yeah, so it's it's a big deal. Um, so Olalia, would you mind sharing a little bit on like your research? Like what 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 interested you one first in that? So I, I can probably infer your background, but what specifically uh helped you kind of lean in that direction and what was your research specifically? So my trajectory um to my current position or interest. Um so I studied um biology as an undergraduate student, but I was um in the area, I was in Caldwell the College of Idaho. And I was working part-time at a local school district, um, supporting the migrant and the English learner program. So I was working at part-time as the graduation specialist for the migrant program. And then I taught after school. So I was really living like my undergraduate um, biology experience, but then I was also working part-time with parents and students. So then when I finished my undergrad, I wanted to stay in with like I wanted to continue serving families, but I had a biology degree. So my way back into education was through a master's in um, education with focus on science teaching. So I got certified to be a teacher and I was, I did student teaching, for example, at Caldwell High. Oh, yeah. So I, I was really interested in like how um, Latinx students and specifically like Mexican immigrant families experience mm-hmm. Um, education systems and of course um, (laughs) that's the that's my 
that's my life. So then I, um, and my professor is, and mentor professor was um, Dr. Vanessa Anthony Stevens. So she was really supporting from the University of Idaho. So she was really supporting me to do um, the autoethnographic work. And she was um, introducing me to different theories that allowed me to see how to better, um, mm-hmm. better include like cultural ways of knowing into the curriculum. So then I wanted to yeah. stay in that space. Um, and I found something that I could continue reading researching in <laughs> that I was passionate about. So I pursued my PhD. And then um, my dissertation was on the experience of families. There was a, um, so there was, there were three pieces. It's like the experience of my family through an autoethnography, mm-hmm. the experience of students, and then the experience of their parents, their, um, and specifically their moms. Um, oh, wow. That was my study. But and- um the- I was going to ask, so what were you able to learn from that? Yeah, things we know. It's like, you know, schools work to, the curriculum works to exclude like the ways of knowing of yeah. non-dominant students and families. So we know that. Yeah. But there's peop- there's research from all over the country. There's not as much research from Idaho. The demographics of Idaho is changing. So it's really urgent to press like public serving institutions to learn how to better serve non-dominant communities. So that was, that's what, yeah, that was the outcome. But um, part of my goal now is to make sure that my scholarship and my work also has that like public piece where I can go back to, for example, parents and tell them like, these are the sub- like you have submitted schools need to be the ones to recognize it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or even present to teachers and say like, parents have submitted you need to recognize it. <laughs> I had a question. So I know um, we talked a little bit, like, I guess off off the record or whatever about the history of the Chicano movement and, and community in Idaho. I listened to this podcast once. It was a fellow Idaho podcast, but it was from a white lens, which was very, it was pretty problematic because Javi and I both talked about it once about, because they want to talk about the history of Idaho, but they like left out two major communities of Idaho. They didn't touch on the, the Latino community in Idaho and they didn't touch on the native communities in Idaho. They just talked about like, I think it was like the Dutch immigrants and um, the Basque people, but it was like very kind of weird because it's just kind of like what I guess the school systems do. Obviously with history, it's not always correct what's taught in the schools and stuff. If you could share a little bit about like in your research, what have you found about like the Latino history in Idaho that maybe our listeners might not know? Because I, you know, growing up in Idaho, especially in the Idaho school system, I never learned anything about anything other than Idaho history in fourth grade. And it was like learning about ourselves, but from a different like view. So we were all kind of like, what the heck is this? You know, like it was weird. <laughs> but like, if there's something that you could share about like the history of like the Latino and like the farmer community in Idaho, I think that would be pretty cool to, yeah. especially for the listeners to to learn something too. Okay. So um, favorite topic, I was talking, I talk about it all the time <laughs> and specifically to my dad <laughs> because I, I have a theory and it's like, it's supported by different things I learned. But um, so I was in education um, and now I am in the history department because there was that opportunity to teach Chicanx history, but um, as someone who, as a researcher, or someone that's always learning, as a human being, I'm always learning, yeah. learning that history as well, so there's a lot to learn, 
But what I know and what um, what I've seen is that, and what I'm doing with my um, history of Idaho and the Pacific Northwest course next semester. So I'm starting from um, before colonization. There was movement between North America and mm-hmm. across the continent of people. So people yeah. from each gun. Like there's no way I haven't found like a specific source, but there in like for example like maize, the seeds of maize. Like there is some research that shows that like seeds moved and I'm talking Mm -hmm. very basic there's still more research that I need to become aware of I'm sure it's there and even like the like the language um the connections between the languages so I am convinced people from Michoacan have been moving to Idaho since before colonization like before um before the before Columbus Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah I'll find a better way to articulate it but I am sure and then um, really flipping that narrative that like Lewis and Clark were the first to come to Idaho um, because even that doesn't like maybe like yes, but then um, recognizing that there was movement on the other side of the um, Pacific Ocean yeah. to this region before Lewis and Clark. <laughs> yeah. So then like the region as a whole, the Pacific Northwest, there was movement from like Spaniards from Mexico moving through the region. Like that's a history of colonization. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, but it's also like not top. So even like through the region, there's, yeah, there's a lot to learn. Um, And I'm learning yeah. it too. I know there's like a connection between the Shoshone language and like, um uh oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it like Nahat? Nahuatl. There's like a there's like a similar like I think like language I think they're under the same like language family though like the Shoshone people that are like oh, southern wow. Idaho I think Oregon parts of Oregon but yeah I know that there's like even in like my tribe's history there's there's been oral stories that have been passed down you know through oral history about like there was like this ceremony a few years ago that a few tribal members from my community went to Colombia and they like like did like a ceremony down there with some of the indigenous people of Colombia and they even the Colombian people there had these same stories of the nest purse too or something and I thought that was very interesting because I was like dang our people went all the way like that's kind of a that's pretty far but (laughs) and I don't know a lot on it I wish I did know more about it I just remember hearing one of our tribal members actually like got to go to the ceremony and like participate in stuff and I was like wow that's super interesting because that's like I mean we're the the Nimipu people are normally in Washington Oregon Idaho parts of Montana and then it's like all the way to Colombia. That's interesting. Dang. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, um that history that's not top. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Olali, in your research, um, did you get to touch on anything uh, on anything that's like current immigration um, trends or anything with like connecting with the communities or students? Uh, I'd be interested in knowing like any kind of history uh, for Chicanx immigration into Idaho. Like, is there any documentation about or in your research, have you learned about like when we first started coming to like these areas and, and specifically like settling them? Because I know there's a lot of migrant communities that have come through the area. My family was one of them and I think we just stayed. Uh, but I grew up in, it's called Del Campito, which is like a labor camp, subsidized housing for farm workers. Uh, and, you know, I'm just interested in learning more about that. Do you have anything to share of, uh, with us on that? Yeah, so the the most common narratives of like Mexican Idaho, like Mexicans in Idaho. So we have like Jesus Urquides, which was, he was a muleteer, like he 
he packed meals and he was an expert um, meal packer that was in Boise. Um, so that was in the 1860s, 1840s, around there. So that was before the mm -hmm. founding of the state. And then um, really... There's that history of when the U.S. needs foreign workers, they bring people from Mexico. There is that yeah. history, like in the um, 1910s and, and then um, the 1920s, like after World War One or like during World, World War One, where they needed um, migrant workers. So they brought them to the region and there was like large companies that like recruited to Mexico. So they were here. And then, um, of course, after in World World War Two during the Bracero program, again, they needed Mexican workers. So they brought them. Now, guess who needs Mexican workers? The U.S. government, or not the U.S. government, but like agricultural people in Idaho. Mm -hmm. So now they're bringing yeah. H-20 workers. Like this is a pattern that continues to happen and it's happening right now. There's yeah. a large number of H-2A workers in this region and that is going to be historically significant. And um, what is the Braceros program for folks that have never heard of that before, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, so I'll, um, I'll do my best to explain it eloquently. But that's <laughs> Um, World War II, um, there was a shortage of workers because of the war. So um, there was a program. It was really uh, like an agreement between the U.S. government, the U.S. government and the Mexican government to bring workers from Mexico to the U.S. to work in labor. But there was also um, a lot of those workers worked in like in the railroad um, industry. And then, of course, um, some of them stayed here and then some of them brought families. And yeah, it it's just those flows that continue. Yeah, I think that it all sounds very interesting. And you know what's crazy? So like every year growing up, because the team or the like the town that I live in in Lapway, our basketball team is known for like state tournament. I think we've won the most state tournaments in the state of Idaho. But so growing up, I was always going down to like Caldwell and Nampa and for the state tournament and going to the basketball games. And I always remember the first time I've ever like I think got mistaken as not being like native was in the mall in Boise, and I remember. There was like, um, it was like a Latino family, and they were like, started speaking to me in Spanish. And I remember I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't, what do I do? You know, and it was one of those things like, dang, because like where I live in Idaho, we don't have a huge Latino community. You know, there's like yeah. a few families here and there, but it's like, it's not, I don't know what it is about the northern part of Idaho. It's like this super country, super like very opposite of what, you know. In, in the southern part where I'm like, man, I wish I wish we had more diversity up here because I just feel like it would make things way more better and more just, you know, more cooler things to do within the community. Like I did just see on Instagram that the jump Boise, the place in Boise, they yeah. have they have in their own uh, Day of the Dead celebration. And yep. I've seen all the different things. I'm like, man, that'd be cool if our community up here would do things like that for the people in our community. But it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just the area I live in, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but getting back to, you know, I have a question you know to ask so what would be some of the lessons that you've learned in your journey in in higher education and what is some you know some challenges that you face that could probably help you know others who are coming up after or wanting to take a similar route that you could you know give some a piece of advice to or yeah um I think I've been very very fortunate to um like be supported by mentors who um really value that yeah. those critical theories or even doing like work within the community because um, for example I did auto 
autoethnography and I um, drew from like Chicana feminist epistemologies and I drew from like the work of like indigenous black and scholars of color so I was really using the work where scholars said like I'm going to do work in my community because it matters Mm -hmm. and I have that expertise and like these systems (laughs) this like research system and like this institution has to learn how to recognize that and they have to Mm -hmm. let me do it Um, so I was fortunate to have mentors that supported me in doing that and supported me in doing research with it with my family so the advice that I have is find people that will um that see that because what what people from what people bring to the university like people from our communities what they bring to the university is really valuable um so they have to continue mm-hmm. doing like living out their identity while working um through that system yeah that's cool um and maybe just to to wrap up um this segment on, on that discussion well first of all Olalia, let me ask you a question do you have any family members that have also gone to u of i no i'm the only <laughs> no i have eight siblings. <laughs> you have eight siblings oh my gosh okay and do you have a sister named cruz <laughs> no, no? Yes, i do, I do. <laughs> what small world okay so i went to school with your sister uh many years ago not that many years ago but you know many years ago <laughs> um and we we were good friends i hope she's doing well okay we just made a connection here on the brown sound look at that small world um so thinking about like your family is i i think about mine all the time too and just growing up the challenges i faced um in navigating predominantly white communities um and navigating my immigrant experience because um although i was born in the u.s right i still carry all all the um experience that my parents uh brought with them um because it became my own right as i was growing up and as we were learning to navigate our new uh, you know i was born here but i had all the knowledge that my parents had about mexico right and then we saw our community through their lens their eyes um and quickly as i began to grow up i learned english and i learned how things work here and i shared that with my family and we learned that together um what is one through your research i think it's going to be amazing and great to to show everybody the value that um immigrants specifically latinos have here in the community especially in idaho we've made a big impact a big difference um we're a big labor force um we're a big uh business uh uh, we have a big business impact here because we have a huge um network of latino businesses making a big impact right putting money into buying one but also putting money back into the economy um and you know latinos are making a lot of difference we have a lot of latino doctors we had um someone not too long ago who was a pharmacist uh, a reporter uh you know someone who works as a diesel instructor Uh, we have musicians so there's just this vast array of um different uh career paths i guess that latinos are embarking on and yet people still uh, pin us down to this narrative of they are coming here to take our resources they're coming here to be bad people um and that's still prevalent here in the state of idaho uh from your experience your research your lived experience knowing what you know about our community um and now you have this platform to teach and actually uh teach folks the actual truth about our communities here in the state of idaho what would be one thing you would want to clarify to anyone listening about like the value of latinos here in the state i guess you are more qualified than anybody that i know to to make a statement on 
that because you're actually doing research. Um, and I know you don't like me using the title, but you are Dr. Olalia Gallegos Buitron. Um, what would you like to share with anyone listening um, about that? Um, so I would flip the narrative. So there's all these theories about like cultural capital and the way yeah. that like, you know, the knowledges that you learn in your family, that how they help you achieve. For example, if I was a white middle class child growing up, um, the school would like cater to um, that identity and to support yep. me be successful in school. But as a like as a Mexican immigrant migrant person, um, or as an indigenous person, like you bring so much um, wealth of knowledge um, through your identity, through your lived experiences, and that knowledge isn't being recognized by the school. So there are lots, there's a lot of scholarship that like defines the different types of knowledges that these communities bring so that mm -hmm. and, and tells like educational institutions or, or researchers like this is the knowledge they bring, you need to recognize it and incorporate it. Yeah. So I think defining that knowledge gets us only somewhere it's really yeah. about like changing the system so that they um mm -hmm. don't continue to like to like not value that knowledge but then they also like erase it um mm -hmm. like through assimilation um so it's really about changing the systems but in idaho like we're changing the systems yeah. like we are yeah. as a community yeah well so said it's safe to say, yeah i was gonna say it's safe to say that your community influences a lot of like your work and and, and things that you do that's just pretty cool because i feel like that's something that we relate on especially as like you know indigenous or latino people we we carry our communities on our back through everything that we do and it could be a lot of pressure but it's like hey someone's got to do it you know so yeah that's that's really cool that's that's pretty awesome it's cool that your classes when we offer it at u of i too i think that's going to be really interesting yeah and i would even say uh you know if you're a u of i student who listens to the brown sound yeah. podcast and even if you're not <laughs> consider enrolling in that class because you're going to learn a lot um mm -hmm. and i'm just so excited for uh, all you the impact you will have on our community at large Ulalia for sure I have a niece that's a freshman at U of I I'm going to tell her like yeah next fall enroll in that class I'm going to tell her <laughs> um, and I also want to say that uh, I know because I've, I've heard people at U of I um, say that students like and I've heard students too like people have been pushing for this course so and they students like push the university to make that position available um, oh, and wow. there were like, internal discussions awesome. it was students and it's like students that have been pushing for that course for a long time so it's like yes I have the community on my back but the community like they Wants have it, me right <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's how that's how it seems to go you know that's that's pretty cool I'm definitely gonna tell my niece I'm like yep register for that class yeah Jeez, learn something no. yep. all right um well if y'all are okay with it uh we're gonna go ahead and move on into our next segment which is our shades of brown language lesson segment um we try to coin it as our brown noises segment but i'm like <laughs> yeah. i don't even know what it's called anymore we can just say yeah. language lesson yeah you know? <laughs> so if this is your first time listening to the brown sound podcast our language lesson segment is an opportunity for daniel and i to share with you all words or phrases in in our native tongues. So Daniel uh, speaks Nimiputemp, I speak Spanish, um, and Olalia, if you'll indulge us, we will all practice saying uh, the words in our native languages. So Daniel, what is our word today? So for today's language lesson, we will be teaching the listeners and you both how to say story in Nimiputemp, which is the Nespers language. So how to say story is just titwate. Oh, okay. Well, 
Ale, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it again. I'll say it again so you can have it here fresh off your ear. Tituate. Tituate. Is that right? Tituate. Yeah. It's very, very beautiful. I wish my tongue could say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cheekix, is it Tituate? Is there a tit at the end? Yeah, tituate. Tituate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm all, who did it better? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, and in Spanish, there's many there's many different words to say the same thing. Um, but to say story, the word I'm going to show everybody is um, el cuento, like the story. El cuento. El cuento. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to say historia because historia. Um, the department that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Historia. <laughs> historia is a good one. Practice, chicax. Oh, oh, el cuento. Yeah. Historia. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go, chicax. Oh, Lalio, uh, Daniel's been a pro at Spanish. Like, ever since he met my cousin, Karen, <laughs> that I'm no. sure they're going to end up together. <laughs> Uh, he's, has, no, he's just no. like really worked on his Spanish. I'm like, no. dang, Chicax. He has fluent conversations with my mom. I'm like, you know, love does amazing things. And Daniel no. is learning Spanish because it's of not, it. It's not, no. <laughs> beautiful, he's, beautiful. I mean, We're here for a good love story, right? <laughs> are we? <laughs> uh, one thing you're going to find out about Javi is he's a liar. <laughs> <No>. Excuse me? <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, anyways, we like, anyways. We like we like to tease in the brown sound. Um, all right, so we're gonna end um, the episode with our last segment of um, of this episode, which will be our shades of brown shady question segment. And so, if you are listening for the very first time, the brown sound shady question segment goes as follows: We are gonna ask three questions to everybody here today. They can um, skip one question, but they absolutely have to answer two. And if they're brave, they answer all three. And here's the kicker: the brown sound shady questions can sometimes be challenging to answer and so no matter how you answer it may land you in the hot seat with whoever the question is referencing um so it could be family it could be friends it could be colleagues um and you know you just have to have a certain finesse to answer so that you don't end up in the hot water with your friends and family Uh so here it goes sometimes they're just really easy too uh and mostly uh i i used to sweat these really bad in season one (laughs) i was just like so nervous uh, but, you know, now I'm more relaxed about it. So, Olalia, I- I'm so excited for you to join us uh, in this as your very first time. Um, we do have our guests go first, but we will also go. So just, uh, you know, keep that in mind. So the three questions we have today are, what is a huge cultural pet peeve you have that people not from your own culture say or do? That would be question number one. Question number mm. two, out of all your siblings, oh, this is going to be good because she has eight. Um, who is the <laughs> hardest to read um, and why? Who is easiest to tease and why? And who is the most confident and why? Um, And then question three, if you had to pick a dinosaur, so think about dinosaurs, everybody, (laughs) that represents the other guests here, which one would you say we each are and why? Okay. If anybody says I have a long neck, I'm going to be pissed. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question one, Olalia, what is a huge cultural pet peeve you have that people not from your own culture say or do? Oh, this one was so easy imposter syndrome like i don't believe in it because there are 
there are like systems and ways that people act that are meant to make you feel like an imposter. So I don't okay. think we have it. Like I think it's like it's people doing things sometimes on purpose to make you feel excluded, <laughs> to exclude mm -hmm. you and to make you feel like an imposter. I am convinced. Wow. <laughs> I'd never thought about it like that. Actually, when you yeah. first said that it doesn't exist, I'm like, it doesn't. <laughs> so what am, I, <laughs> what am I dealing with? <laughs> but no, the way you said it, it's like, no, I'm made to feel that. Oh, I never thought about it like that. Right. Oh my gosh. Ma mind blown right now at the brownstone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. That good. Um, and out of all your siblings, Olalia, who is the hardest to read, easiest to tease, and most confident? Um, uh, this is hard. Um, hardest to read. Okay, so birth order. I'm. I was the sixth born. Um, so I would say I'm the hardest to read because I have. Um, so I have five older siblings. Um, uh -huh. and three younger siblings. So I didn't have, I did have responsibilities, but I didn't have any of the responsibilities the older siblings had. And oh, I yeah. didn't have like mm. as much, um, I guess, eyes as like the youngest. <laughs> so I was a very privileged child <laughs> to be kind of in the middle, to be like really supported, but um, yeah, by both groups. Um, but, okay. So that, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say anyone else's heart. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so would you say you're also like stoic? Is your demeanor like, like if someone in the street saw you would they be able to tell what you're thinking or are you just like no -uh, not over here you know <laughs> i don't know I, I you don't know okay <laughs> okay yeah easiest to tease is probably the youngest he calls well he calls us and he's like what's up dude or like what's up this random person that i have no idea who it is because i am not gen x like <laughs> yep <don't> <laughs> All right. And who would you say is the most confident? Um, I think my youngest sister, also very, um, just very admirable. Um, she's really, my youngest sister, we're five, we're, yeah, we're five girls. So the youngest girl, I think she's very, the most confident. Um, yeah, just okay. her demeanor. Like, yeah, just knowing that there's so many people that love her. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe reason but she's amazing yeah okay so i was gonna say is the confidence earned is that what are you saying yes or no i can't read <laughs> <laughs> um all right and uh last question is if you had to pick a dinosaur that represents daniel and i which one would it be and why i have no idea about like, we're gonna get judged right now <laughs> I have a three-year-old. I'm three years old, and I don't know anything about dinosaurs. Like, um, okay, you never watched like Jurassic Park or like <laughs> no. no. <laughs> That's the one you skipped. Then it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. All I'm right, like, I don't know the names of dinosaurs either. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is a huge cultural pet peeve you have that people not from your own culture say or do? I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, being racist? Just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, I would have to say... Well, I couldn't even say that because I'd be telling on myself. Too. I'm like, natives are so bad with time, but I'm like, so am I. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd be, I'm like, I just, my, I'm my own pet peeve. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure, I guess, without. Mm, well, I mean, being racist is a pet peeve. Yeah, I'm that's, like, I can't that's, really. Yeah, that's like, I mean, I'm Hate like, it. well. <laughs> yeah. No one's ever said, oh, I love when you're racist to me. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> oh, 
I love uh, passive aggressive comments. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank I'm you. Like, oh yeah, um, I love colonization. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd had to just say that. I guess. Okay. Uh, out of my siblings, who is the hardest to read? Uh, well, all of them are easy for me to read. Oh, oh. read like if I had to read like a like not tell what they're thinking, it'd probably be my sister Pauline. She's the oldest. She's very like stoic, and she's just like sometimes you don't know like is she in a good mood is she not i don't know <laughs> proceed uh, with caution gonna, yeah <laughs> but i want to find out and then yeah. uh who's the easiest to tease um how about to say loretta my, oh, really? my second my second oldest sister um she's just loretta's a terrorizer you know her and her kids they're just they all terrorize well terrorize the heck out of each other so i'd say loretta's probably the easiest one to tease because she's just she's just like just resi you know so it's it's so funny um and who's the most confident i feel like that would be a tie between either me and my youngest sister betsy oh yeah Um, i can see that i feel like i'm always telling people just like like no like like who cares what they think like you do you you know um if i had to pick a dinosaur that represents the other guests which would it be and why i would say javi might be a what is it called triceratops oh yeah that's my favorite one yeah it's uh has three horns horns? and uh yeah (laughs) yeah i would have just (laughs) you and your three horns And, well, um, why? <laughs> because I have I don't three horns. Say, I know. I'm like, because you're angry. Oh, okay. I guess. Maybe I don't know. You and your three horns. Um, and what are those one? What are those like? I keep thinking of Land Before Time of the mom, the Ducky's mom. What what, what are those dinosaurs called? I don't know. Uh, the ones with the beaks, right? You're talking about the beaks, and they have like this little like they can swim. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know what those are called, but Ducky I, I just swimmy think of the... sores. I just think, yeah, I was just thinking of like the mom, so I, that's what I choose, I guess. Okay. Mom vibes. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's I guess. And do I have to choose a dinosaur for myself? Sure. What do you? What would you be? <laughs> I'm like I don't know. You're Spike? all. <laughs> <laughs> You're all a pterodactyl. Uh, yeah. A woolly mammoth. I don't know. That's not a dinosaur chicken. <laughs> Ice Age? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what type of dinosaur I would be, to be honest. I'd probably be one that likes to, like, eat and sleep, whatever that one is. Yeah. So. Okay. I think that's a triceratops chicken. You might oh. be picking the same one. All right. So <laughs> what is a huge cultural pet peeve that you have uh, from people not your – okay, so, I mean, a dead – I mean, an obvious pick is, yeah, like the racism, <laughs> microaggressions, <laughs> that sucks. Anyone who makes any, um, this might be one for you both too. Anytime anyone says when they're referencing like your culture and then they say like, well, you know, like you guys do or like oh. you guys do the, you know, they, they're grouping us all together. Yeah, into, you know how you do or your yeah. people, you know how they do that. I'm like. No, so I, I, in a previous position, I always have to say that <laughs> in a different uh, job that I had, someone, Disclaimer. someone said that to me that like a coworker. And I said, well, what do you mean by you guys? And then they were like, oh, <laughs> you know, and they were backtracking like, well, not you, but you know, and I'm like, no, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> you know, yeah. cause you kind of have to kind of have to help people feel uncomfortable about the things they say so that they pay attention mm-hmm. to that and they don't do it again. Uh, but it was all fun and games and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I love making them feel squirmish about that. Uh, you know, cause yeah. it's, it, it does suck sometimes to 
be um you know daniel talks about like we're not a monolith of people yeah we do have culture we have rich vibrant uh history and those things are great but stereotyping us into one thing just sucks so i guess that's what i would point out and then out of all your siblings who is the hardest to read i think definitely uh that would be either my little brother christian um i'm the i I was gonna say i think it's me but no i'm i'm the sibling who wears their emotions on their face so my siblings will quickly know if I'm irritated or, you know, if I'm, if it's safe to approach. So I, I'm going to say my little brother, Christian, he, he definitely likes to just keep things to himself. And, you know, which I also, um, which I also like find a lot of value in. I'm like, it's so great. You're not involving people in all your everyday issues. And to him, I would just say like, you know, it's okay to talk about whatever's going on. And I'm always here for you. And I love you. This is an, I love you saying for my little brother, <laughs> but, um, and then who's easy to teach. Oh my gosh, that's my brother Lalo. Uh, he's just funny and goofy and uh, it's always in fun but yeah he's just so easy to tease uh, and we all like jump in like and that's my siblings too we gang up on maybe Olalia you guys y- y'all do that in your family with your brother too but anytime we're together and there's like a funny thing that's said we don't let it go <laughs> we just go in and keep teasing on it and it's fun um, and then who is the most confident I think that's a tie um, all my siblings have strong personalities including myself and I I just don't think that any of us are less confident than the others like some of us are more quiet but that's that's not taking away from our ability to be confident um mm-hmm. so i would say all of them equally i don't know daniel you know us all but i think i think we're all equally confident i would say maybe okay yeah. all right uh so that that wasn't too hard right olalia what do you think not too bad <laughs> i need to learn more about um dinosaurs and study like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to buy you both a book um my little my nephew i bought him an abcs of dinosaurs so it lists the letter and then like the dinosaur name with the picture and it goes through the whole alphabet so i'm gonna send send me your address i will send you both a copy of the book (laughs) all right um so this concludes our episode um is there any last uh closing thoughts from anybody before we wrap it up Mm. No, just thank you uh, for being here and thanks for sharing your knowledge with us and our listeners. Uh, you're welcome back anytime to the Brown Sound. Yeah. And, um, definitely looking forward to just continuing to, you know, show our support here and, and um, you know, just thanks. Thanks for your time. It's always like, that's like the biggest thing. You got to thank people for their time because a lot of times, you know, time is so important. So, so definitely yeah. appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Um, I really admire the work that you do because you're documenting history too. So I really admire the work that you all do. And thank you for giving me this space and for your time. Yeah, I, Olalia, I want to say I learned a lot from you in this episode. I, like I said um, earlier in the episode, uh, this is not a subject that a lot of people discuss. And so it's important to highlight, um, you know, the history of Latinos here in the U.S., um, specifically Idaho. Um, I'm excited to learn more about, like, how your class goes, like the interactions Mm -hmm. you have with your students. And as you further your research i i'd like to have you come back um in a you know in a year or so after you you've you've had the class that would be amazing to learn more on like you know how how yeah. that's gotten how that's progressed um as always i i want to echo daniel's sentiment on please come back you're always welcome here um you have two new friends um and so we want to make sure that we stay in touch and i just want to thank you
you for your time too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things Daniel and I talk about is that it's so important to highlight the different folks in our area that are making such an impact um, because Latino and Indigenous representation is, is very limited and we don't do a good job uh, to highlight those people that are making a difference in our communities. And now that we've highlighted someone who is a doctor, um, you know, mm-hmm. now our listeners, our students, their their family members uh, can have somebody to look up to to be able to reach that kind of mind, milestone too, mm-hmm. where they may have never thought that they could see themselves at because of someone like you. So thank you so much. It's been such a blast. Um, and, you know, we will definitely keep in touch for sure. Sounds good. Thank you all. Um, and now I know two podcasters. So that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and our podcast is like, you know, not to toot our own horn, but toot, toot. Uh, we've been downloaded, you know, in over 90 countries, uh, all over the U.S. I think we're like one state away from having all states. I mean, we're like over 15,000 downloads right now. So I know people are going to be going to be tuned in. It's kind of cool that we're, we've been downloaded all over of, um, Latin America, except they can't report if we've been downloaded in Cuba. That's the only one that wasn't on our little list. Oh, yeah. Says, but that's yeah. a cool little flex there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so there you go. <laughs> but again, um, if you haven't yet, I almost forgot how we end our episode. It's been, <laughs> we took a break yeah. and I just forgot how to do everything. But if you haven't yet, please consider giving us a five star rating wherever you listen to us at, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You could follow us on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. That's where we share a lot of our uh, episode content, all of our, you know, just different graphics and things like that. So make sure you give us a follow. Um, other than that, oh, huge shout out to all those who um, ordered shirts from us. We did oh, a, yeah. shirt, a, sh- a shirt order and we had a pretty good um, turnout. We have some exciting news to share soon. We can't give everything away yet, but <laughs> stay tuned to the Brown Sound podcast and make sure you follow us and all that good stuff to, you know, be in on the, the upcoming exciting news. So. Yeah. Other than that, you all have a great day wherever you're listening to us at, whether it's in your car or, you know, in the kitchen. I don't know. Where the shower. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On your way to work, wherever. Have a have a great day. Stay safe out there. It is getting cold now up here in the Northwest. So yep. hopefully everyone stays warm. And uh, yeah, have a good one. See you later. Adios. Gracias. And muchas gracias for listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We had a blast with you all today and make sure to tune in next time. To follow us more closely, check us out on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast for partnership opportunities or just want to get a hold of us, you can shoot us a DM on Instagram. Disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and hosts only.